thank you all who checked uh, your kids in today. Uh, we're, it's a work in progress, but uh, it's a necessary and a good uh, step that we've taken. And so uh, if you had to wait in line a little bit, we're going to get that ironed out. And I want to thank you guys so much for your patience and for, for doing that. Uh, remember, uh, though, that, that you have a tag and the only person who can pick your kid up is you. And our teachers really would like to go home at some point today. So make sure you go pick them up because they're not just releasing them to the world anymore. Okay? So make sure you go pick them up so the teacher can go and get their McDonald's before they go home today. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for your word. We pray that today your word would speak to us and that uh, we would be open to what it is you would have to say. Thank you for our church and the opportunity that we have to worship together connect with each other, to grow together, and to serve. That's your blessing upon this message, and we pray that it would be uh, your words, not mine, and it would be pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 is where we are today. It says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Now, I don't know what someone told you this week about who you were or what name they may have called you. But this is what God called you. And God is better than whatever that other person said. So you can take this to heart. This is what God feels about his church. He feels that you are a chosen priesthood, a royal, or a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You see, God has everything. Because He created everything, He owns everything, and yet what He considers as His prized possession is you and me. Perhaps that's why He said it was very good when man was created. You see, nothing takes God by surprise. An all-knowing God, He doesn't have surprises. He's all-knowing. And we studied in small group in chapter in the first week of our series that God set Jesus before creation, knowing that when creation would fall, He would send Jesus to die on the cross on our behalf so that we could have a relationship with Him. We also know that He always had the church in mind. The Old Testament talks about how God's people were the Israelites, and you get to see all the things that He did for the Israelites, but you see time after time after time again a hint and a looking forward that eventually all people of all races, of all backgrounds, would be able to come under one roof and worship the same God. So the church was always in mind. <laughs> and so before we get started today, and it's kind of a culmination of what we've talked about for the last month. If you don't hear anything else today, I want you to hear this. Be proud of the church. And be proud that you're part of it. Be proud that there's an entity on this earth that was so important to God that He sent His Son to die on the cross so that they could have a relationship with Him and we get to be a part of that. Be proud of the fact that when all is said and done, the church is what stands with God in eternity forever. Be proud of that. Be proud of the work that the church does here and now. Know that in, even though there's so many things going on, the church is the largest single provider of health care and education in the world and working in some of the most poorest or some of the poorest countries where there's no other care available. Be proud of the church. 
Be proud that the church started organizations like Habitat for Humanity, Salvation Army, and the American Red Cross. Be proud of the church. Yes, we can apologize for Christians. At times, Christians have done some really bad things. So be proud of the church. And be proud that you're part of it. Be proud that you get to call each other brother and sister in Christ. Be proud. Maybe you're there. Maybe you are proud of the church. Maybe you really resonate with the fact and you feel good about that Peter says this is who you are as the church. And by all means, you should. But we have a danger. And the danger is that we hear how good we are and how a special possession we are. And we decide to kind of park the bus. And we build our bubble. And we like just sitting here. We like just sitting here and basking in God and allowing Him to tell us who we are. And we love that. But the problem with that is that's not why Peter is telling us this. Peter's not just telling us so that we feel good about ourselves. Peter's telling us this because it leads into the fact that we have something we ought to do. And so this week as we wrap up our series on Minus 40, we, we talk about serving. <coughs> Peter says, You are all these things, and then continuing in verse 9, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. <coughs> Peter says, You are all these things, so that you will declare the praises of Him who calls you out of darkness. You see, you are the church in order to expand the church. You are welcomed into the church so that you will welcome others into the church. If you read throughout the Bible, you're going to learn something. And that's that when God gives you something, He gives it to you in excess so that other people are benefited from it. He gives you love in such excess that you are called to love others. He gives you mercy in excess so that you are merciful to others. He gives you forgiveness in excess so that you forgive others. Nothing that you have been given has ever been meant for you and you alone. When He gives you possessions or money or whatever, He does it so that you will bless others. And so when He calls you a royal priesthood, when He calls you a holy nation, when you are His special possession, those are heaped upon you so that it feels so good and it's so true that you want other people to experience it as well. You see, we are the church, which means the head of the church is Jesus. And in Luke chapter 4, he walks into the synagogue and they give him a scroll to read. And it's from Isaiah 61. And Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he sits down and he tells everyone that what you hear today has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I am who this is talking about. And if this is who Jesus is, and if this is what he was called to do, then as followers of Jesus, we have to realize that that's what we are called to do too. After all, if you go into a business and the CEO has one idea of how everything runs and then everybody underneath it decides to do other things, it's not going to last very long, is it? No, if Jesus is the head of the church, that means that we as the church must follow His lead. And so we are called to proclaim good news to the poor. 
Not, those, not, ju not just those who are poor uh, in, in economic terms, but those who are poor in their spiritual life. We are called to go proclaim freedom for the prisoners. We are called to go tell people, you are made for more than this. Quit shackling yourself to these things that drag you down. You are a, a creation of God who is created for freedom. Don't, don't go back to captivity. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind. We are to go and tell people this is what it means to live. We are to set the oppressed free. We are to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We are to go around and tell the world about this God who saved us. But you see, it doesn't take long for Christianity to be something that you just know instead of something that you do. The first generation of believers are already getting into this, this, this trap. They, they just accept that they're Christians and they like the idea that they're Christians and they decide just to sit there. But throughout the New Testament and throughout Jesus' teachings, there's two key words that he uses over and over again. And it's when and as. When, W-H-E-N. He says these two words, which indicate that he expects it to happen. And so he talks about when you do this. You see, sometimes what we do is we separate our Sunday me with the rest of the world me. We separate our worship me with our service me. And if the day is right, the temperature is good, and we can see through the fog, today we might serve. But if not, I will just reserve the fact that I'm saved and be really, really happy about it. But if you read throughout the New Testament, you find out that that's not the way that it works. The New Testament and Jesus himself says, if you follow after me, you are going to do this. There is no separation here. If you are a Christian, then you serve. And verse 10 shows us our motivation. He says, once you weren't a people... You were lost, you were by yourself. But through Jesus Christ, you became the family of God. And that family has room for everyone. And so we go and we serve the world so that they can understand that they have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. That there's a God who knows their name and wants a relationship with them. And so we do everything in our power to serve others because that's what Jesus did. So the question is, how do we serve here at East 40? The first thing is that we serve where we are. We believe that God is everywhere. And therefore, wherever we go, God's already done this. And He's been preparing something for you to do. You're here at church this morning, and we believe that serving the church is one of the things that we do. That we give our time, our talents, and our tithes so that the church can become everything that God is creating it to be. We want to plug in using our gifts and our abilities and our passions to make the local church the best that we can. Here this morning, there's an insert in your bulletin that talks about some of the ways that you can today get plugged in here at East Florida. Maybe you just come and you worship and you go home and that's fine, but we believe that you're called to serve. And so we want to make sure that we give you the opportunity to do that. But where you go is not just church. You go elsewhere throughout the week. How many of you this week went to the grocery store? Good. You can read all about the grocery store. It's about the snow, and everybody goes to the grocery store. When that happens, milk and bread, and I don't know why you need those, because I would get like Twinkies and stuff. You went to the grocery store. How many went to school this week? 
your parents watching, make sure you raise your hand and tell them that you went to school. I'm going to you with the word. I'm going to you with the sporting event. Hey, guess what? God was there. And God had something for you to do there. Because as Christians, we serve where we go. Maybe we don't stand on a carton of 7-Up and preach the gospel in the grocery store. But we might help the older lady who has 20 bags get to her car. Maybe we don't stop the action of a sporting event, but when we go to the concession stand, we pay for the next three people behind us so they don't have to. We serve where we go. God has plans for us everywhere we go, and we have to be open to it. We can't separate the church life from the world life because through Jesus, all those are the same. The second place we serve is we serve where we can go. We believe in sending people out. We believe that when God calls His church, we need to be a church that says, send me. We had a group that just got back from the Dominican Republic last week on a mission trip, and we were honored to be able to send them there. We were honored to be able to send money to Ides last fall for Hurricane Harvey relief. When we see a need, we want to be a church that says, yes, we'll go. We'll go and we'll serve, or we'll, we'll give, or we'll do something so that the church can do its work wherever there's a need. And the third place that we, we want to serve here in these stories, we want to serve where we will never be. Now, we did have people go to the Dominican Republic, and we do have people go to the Dominican Republic, but the vast majority of you probably are not going to the Dominican Republic, and yet we believe it's important for us to send uh, what we have there. Not only there, but across the world, because we know that there are missionaries all over the world who are sharing the gospel. And you know what? You and I may never meet that missionary. But you know what we will do? One day when we are heaven, we will meet someone who doesn't look like us or talk like us. But is there in heaven because we supported a missionary who told them the gospel. And we believe in that. That's why before we pay the electric bill or pay the staff, we pay we give the missions. Because we are serious about those who are spreading the gospel being supported by the local church. And so we're serious about serving here at East 40, and we want everyone to have the attitude that we need to be sent. And there's one question that I think sticks out to me on why it's important for us to serve. And that question is this. If not the church, then who? Ask that question about some things in your life. What about this next generation coming up? Who's going to influence them? If not the church, then who? It's a pretty scary thought, isn't it, if it's not the church? What about in times of brokenness or disaster? If not the church, then who? Well, the government will go down there, and obviously we see our government works so well. They're going to go down there, and they're, they're going to fix everything. Now, they might pay for a few things, but you don't fix things without Jesus. So it's not the church, but who? We want to make sure that the answer to who's going is that the church is going. Emmy Bonhoeffer was the sister-in-law of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He, he was a theologian in Germany during World War II. He, uh, he preached against Hitler, and he stood against what he was doing even before everyone else uh, was 
figured out what he was up to. He was at the forefront of calling him who he was and standing up against the persecution and the killing of, of Jews. But he, he preached. And he preached and he preached and he wrote and he wrote. And then he got in a conversation with his sister-in-law, Emmy, who was not a Christian. And she asked him a question that, as I read it this week, stuck out to me, and I believe it applies to us here today. She says, you Christians are glad when someone else does what you know must be done. But it seems that somehow you are unwilling to get your own hands dirty and do it. And I look throughout our history, and I look at so many times that we thought that somebody else was going to do what really we were supposed to do. See, here's the truth of the matter. There's a burning building in front of us. And we have a hose. And it's connected to a fire hydrant. And we're sitting there. And what we are doing is this. God, please send someone to help that burning building. Surely there's someone out there with access to water that can go and make sure that this building does not burn down. God, please send someone to fix this. And the realization that you and I need to make is God probably wants to smack us across the head and say, I have. It's you. Yet so often we wait for somebody else to do it. Folks, if there's something that needs to be done, if it's not done by the church, it's not done well. And we want to be a church that equips each other to serve because we believe that that's what we are called to do. Here's the understanding we have to get through our heads this morning. This is what we're going to close on. The church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all I commanded you to do. This is what the church is to do. Paul says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God is making His appeal through us. That is what the church is supposed to do. There is no plan B. God all along said, this will be my church. This is what they are called to do. Nothing's coming after them. And see, the thing is that Jesus is going to come back. And on that day that he comes back, it is what the church has done and who is in the church that lasts. Everything else does not. There is no plan B. And so we want to be a church that says, send me. To the hurting, to the oppressed, send me. In our schools, in our government, you want to say, send me. Around your dinner table, we want to be those people who say, send me. We want to connect with God here at East Sporting because we believe that God has designed us for connection with Him and with each other. We want to grow in our faith so that we learn and become more like Jesus every single day. And we want to make sure that we don't leave it just to us absorbing things, but we want to serve everywhere we go so that other people may experience what we have experienced. And so this morning, may I challenge you to be a people who say, sin.
because if someone else does it, they're not a Christian. It's not good enough. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for dying for us on the cross, Jesus. We thank you that we have the greatest news in the history of the world. And we thank you that if everything ended today, Father, those of us who know you, who have accepted you as Savior, Father, we know that we're going to be with you forever. But there are more people out there who need to know that. And they know that by our love. Father, we grew up singing a hymn, perhaps, that they'll know that we are Christians by their love, but so often they know us by our arguments and our opinions and our inaction. And so, Father, I pray that we would be a church that says, send me. That you would reveal to us where we need to go and what we need to do. But, Father, I know this morning that there are people here who might be questioning who you are. So I pray, Father, that today you would speak into our hearts and reveal yourself to us. What you have done for us and then who we are created to be. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for love. And we thank you that you never give us things just for ourselves but for others. Father, show us what we are to do and show us how we are to serve. us. Amen. This morning... Today is the day that you want to say that you believe that Jesus is what He says He is, that He is the Lord, and you want to give your life to Him. We invite you to come forward. If you want to make this your church home, we invite you to make that decision today. But as we stand and we sing, we're going to sing a song about how our praises are multiplied and they go on. May we be known as a people who go. Let's be standing and sing this morning.